last week on the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast, as well as some older stuff that obliterated Nate or was a little bit naughty. Look at you adjust for the hot take to end the show. As soon as top 10 tumbled from my lips, I knew it wasn't hot enough. I was like, wait, that's top 10. Who cares about top 10? Oh, ooh, 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 Fantasy Mansion. Ooh, says Taysom Hill's better than Matt Ryan. Ooh. And Pete Rose might be in the Hall of Fame right now if he were allowed to hit rock bottom. If his signature wasn't worth a damn, he'd be in the Hall of Fame. And $185 or so for a signature is nothing. We're trying to make you money on Patreon because we know you kicked Ryan off the Patreon account. We're trying to make you some money on Patreon, Nate, and you being ostentatious. I'm not being ostentatious. That's a fucking cheapest memorabilia you can buy. With your flashy <laughs> studio and your expensive memorabilia. You asshole, Nate. I didn't buy any of this shit. He's letting people know that he grew up in a state of sports luxury. Very rare gems. Yeah, very rare memorabilia all around us. Matt, listen, man. I I have a fucking closet behind me. Can't afford a shelf. Can't afford anything signed. I'm not going to support you on Patreon. Why don't you go sell a signed jersey? You see what Ryan has? That's how you get support. You show outdated clothing. In your closet, and you're going to get pity dollars thrown at you on Patreon. Fuck the paywall. Don't talk about the paywall. Everybody that's listening should be a subscriber already. And if they're not, and they're listening to the show on January 12th, 2020, then they should be ashamed of themselves. And Randy Young provides us with that glimmer of hope that your league, my league, anyone's league, contains the ultimate sucker and you can't have seven Allen robinson's in this class tyler johnson's Allen robinson seven Allen robinson no and t higgins is Allen robinson everyone's saying everyone's Allen robinson well you just can't have a bunch of guys running four sixes and breaking out in the nfl it's not going to happen and once you've seen what we've seen you can't unsee it you guys have seen some shit you've seen some shit I wish I had a long cigarette. (laughs) (laughs) Hands are shaking. Yeah. (laughs) We have seen some shit. When we drink coffee, our hands shake. That's right. That's right. That's right. We've seen things you can't unsee. Yeah. In the line of duty. You guys, you guys have your medals. We don't have anything. (laughs) We were dropped behind enemy lines and forgotten about. (laughs) We're just scalping motherfuckers in the woods. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> next thing you know we blow up hitler and the war's over you uh, are uh the aldo reign of, of dynasty takes i don't feel anything you can't get me to feel you think you can get me to feel after what i've seen after what i've been through after the places i've been the things i've had to do to survive you think you can get me to feel who the fuck do you think you are <laughs> and my voice in front of this microphone is essentially the next evolution of weaponry <laughs> in sports debating. I have chills. And he is the original Texas Ranger. Mm, before Chuck Norris. Yeah, John Coffey Hayes. You're talking about John Coffey Hayes. John Coffey Hayes, he was the greatest Indian fighter in the history of the, the United States, certainly in the state of Texas. Uh, fucking Albert Bell. And I think the house has been burned down by Jameis Winston. 
I think he was pissing on the embers. He stinks. He stinks. He stinks. And the LASIK surgery isn't going to help. You want to know why? Because LASIK surgery doesn't cure colorblindness. He needs to stop throwing the wrong color jersey. Man. I thought Kelly had a whole tattoo sleeve. Looked closer. Just hair. Grizzly. It's going to be a good show. Man. Was that Kirsten Dunst's dream a wet dream? <laughs> no, it wasn't a wet dream. Thank you very much. I have had a wet dream once when I was 15. I woke up and I was having sex with my pillow. This fucking show has no boundaries. Man. Do you know the sound I make when I ejaculate? Like the sound of like a... Oh, okay. It's not what I expected. That's got to be weird for your wife. Man. Todd Haley and his wife don't believe in wearing clothes at all. And it's the best way to go out on a sweatpant boner. And is this the time when you think people start masturbating to the show? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast. I'm your host, Nate Liss. You can find me on Twitter at an outrage Jew. And with me this afternoon is Mr. Matt Kelly. You can find him on Twitter at fantasy underscore mansion. Matt, it's a Saturday afternoon. We don't typically record at this time, so you must be primed and ready to go. This is your this is your wheelhouse time. You flew through that introduction. Is that because you're awake and energized for the first time in show history? Yeah, I mean, since at least the last time that we recorded on a Saturday, it's probably the case. I feel better than normal. I mean, you flew through that. I did fly through. I mean, I have a stopwatch here. Look, see the stopwatch? I have a stopwatch right here. I was timing you during that introduction. And uh, you're like, hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast. I'm your host, Nate Liss. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at an Jew. And with me, as always, uh, Mr. Matt Kelly. You can find him on Twitter at Fantasy underscore Mansion. I mean, it was like so fast. That's what happens. It's the pre-workout, Matt. I'm all hopped up on pre-workout. I actually prefer you at night when you're a little bit slower. I I know. Me too. I yeah. I'm 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 firing on all cylinders. So we'll see how this goes. Have you seen the NFLPA's latest negotiation ploy? I have seen a little bit. Yes. They rejected the NFL's initial volley, their first proposal, the 17-game season. Mm. And you know if the owners are coming out early. Proposing a 17-game season. Do you know how many games we're going to have next season? 16? 17. (laughs) If the owners want it, the owners get it. This is the weakest union in all of sports. Mm. This union is weaker than professional wrestlers. It's not not good. Whatever the professional wrestling union is, it's stronger than the NFLPA. Uh. The NFLPA stands for NFL Pathetic. Okay. (laughs) The players are going to get run over again. You know it, and I know it. So this is what I would do. If I were the NFLPA, I would get out ahead of this and say, actually, fuck 17 games. We want 18 games, and we want an even split of the revenue, 50-50, but you got to give us 18 games. But here's the catch. You have to remove two preseason weeks and add two bye weeks. So... Two more total weeks of football, much more rest and rehabilitation for players during the season, but no more actual games that the players have to play. Mm. Genius. 
18 games, three bye weeks. Every four or five weeks, you get a bye. That's the frequency with which they should have bye weeks. Every four or five games, your body needs an extra week of rest and recuperation. And the beauty is no one cares when there's a bye week because all we need is the NFL red zone package and there's multiple games on and we just want to go to a bar or turn on DirecTV and watch a bunch of games simultaneously. Just give us that. We don't care if there are 12 games, 13 games, 14 games, 15 games, 16 games during a week. Just give us a smorgasbord of options, a buffet of football every Sunday. That's what we want. And that's the major revenue driver, the TV contracts. So it's not actually two additional weeks. It's four additional weeks of regular season football on the schedule. So direct TV the game package, the red zone package, they could charge for an additional month of content. That's a lot of money. And to get that much additional money, the owners should agree to modifying the percentage a couple points. Split it 50-50. And yes, the players will have to play more games. Absolutely. Especially the veteran starters who don't play in all the preseason games. They will ultimately have to play more football, but there'll be a lot more revenue to divide up, and the player's percentage of that revenue would be higher. It would be a boon for the players without a lot of additional wear and tear on their bodies. In fact, you could argue that by playing a few additional quarters, by sacrificing preseason games for regular season games, with the additional bye weeks, it would be less wear and tear on the players' bodies. Tell me that's not genius. Tell me I'm not a genius. I mean, here's the thing. I I don't know that it would be less wear and tear. This is this is what was going through my head listening to that because you increase the probability of the scenario where they get hurt by playing more games. They may get more time to rest, but you don't reduce the opportunity to get hurt. The likelihood a player gets hurt goes up. For sure. But their pain level during the season goes down. How about that? No, I, I agree with that. Uh, I mean, and here's and here's the other thing about a player getting hurt. This is obviously the biggest concern. So one, here's a question. Players sign contracts based on 16 games. What do you do with the existing contracts? You pay them a prorated amount based on their salary. That's the right thing to do. That's the ethical approach. So, okay, so that that's number one. And then number two, like with Pittsburgh this year, when Big Ben went down, Pittsburgh became unwatchable. So without knowing how injuries could change over time with more football games, I think that's the risk you run is losing somebody of importance early on in diminishing a product. People still watch the games. The owners want more games. If the owners could get 18 games out of these players, they would. They just don't think the players would agree to 18 games. What I'm telling the players is... You should agree to 18 games if if the owners also agree to add not one, but two additional bye weeks. And the bye weeks are in the owner's best interest, too, because it extends the television calendar. Everybody wins! They gotta make the rosters bigger, too. That's the other concession the players must demand. Expand the rosters to mm-hmm. 60 players. More players active on game day and more total players on the active roster. One of the reasons the sport is unsafe is because there are not enough players 
players are often forced to play hurt because there are literally no other human bodies on the active roster that can play a particular position at a particular moment in time. We saw Washington two years ago playing defensive tackles along the offensive line because the team was just so ravaged by injuries. That should never happen. Never happen. Ohio State dresses 120 guys for home games. Please. Please. Yeah. It would drive up the importance of leagues like the XFL as well, where you're getting a chance to look at these guys that were kind of on the cusp of playing in the NFL or once played in the NFL and now don't as, you know, like a a rotation tackle or, you know, or a swing offensive lineman. Guys that aren't playing would suddenly be called up if they, you know, expanded the rosters. The success of the XFL gives these players additional leverage. Mm -hmm. We have another league. There is an alternative gladiator spectacle that we could all migrate to if you don't meet our demands, slave owners. <laughs> oh, God. Uh. Did you see this tweet at Roto Underworld listing the top breakout ages, of the wide receiver prospects in the 2020 class? Yes, I did. It's very sexy. So uh, I like the graphic work. I, I like what's being done over there. It's a new era being ushered in over at playerprofiler.com. That's Mark Mathic. Mm. That is the work of Mark Mathic that you are admiring. The top five list, Brian Edwards, T. Higgins, Jalen Rager, Kalaja Lipscomb, and Tyler Johnson. Mm. That's a hell of a list right there. This is why breakout age matters, man. And the most impressive breakout age of all in what could be the most impressive breakout age of all time, Brian Edwards, 17.8. Brian Edwards was productive at age 17 for South Carolina. Big deal? Absolutely. I mean, this is is one of the the metrics that people lean on the most uh, is the breakout age. And to have done it at South Carolina, you know, in the SEC – 81 targets in 2016, 81 targets, 590 yards. He barely met the 20% dominator threshold to be considered a breakout, but he did it. He did it. It was a relatively pathetic offense, so it is a bit of a technicality, but he did it. But we have breaking news about Brian Edwards. Literally. Brian Edwards has broken his foot, and I believe it's while training, and he will not no. be testing at the NFL Combine. No. 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 Here we go. No. Slowly disappears. He uh he is not going to be testing at the combine. Damn it! Fuck! I think a player that was already kind of uh, a fringe day two guy for some people uh, is going to tumble quite a ways. No! layers to this show they're just layers 
God. Uh, it's terrible news. I love Brian Edwards, man. Yep. Yep. Maybe he goes to the combine like Julio Jones and runs a 4-4 on a broken foot. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Julio Jones did that, by the way. All those workout metrics you see on the Julio Jones player page on playerprofiler.com up near the 100th percentile in speed, speed score, burst score, agility score. He did all of that on a broken foot. He did all of that on a broken foot. It's worth repeating. Mm. Julio Jones did that on a broken foot. It's impressive. Well, Brian Edwards might do the bench press. I'm sure we'll probably see that. Oh, the bench press. Gonna get the bench press. Heartbreaking. Yep. Oh, it's heartbreaking. How far should we move Brian Edwards down our rankings, knowing that he will likely not test for NFL scouts and it could cost him a round of draft capital? Well, I mean, I'm looking at it right now, Matt, at playerprofiler.com forward slash player dash rankings. And I think you're going to have to move him a long way. I mean, realistically, depending on how far his draft capital falls, we realize that his climb to the top amongst this deep of a class is going to be tough. You know, there's a chance now that he ends up on the same roster as another one of these highly coveted rookies. Oh, God. Well, he's below Mims. He's going to be below Ruggs. You got to put him below Jefferson. It's now a debate between Tyler Johnson, Brandon Ayuk, and Brian Edwards. Isn't that unfortunate, though, that he breaks his foot? (laughs) Brian Edwards said no to the Senior Bowl. Brandon Ayuk said yes to the Senior Bowl, but but then faked an injury and didn't practice. And Tyler Johnson was snubbed by the Senior Bowl. Three seniors that found different paths to not playing at the Senior Bowl. It's not it's not good. <laughs> oh, I'm sick about this, Nate. I don't want to think about it. We'll revisit these rankings this week, but watch for Brian Edwards to plummet. Mm. Now on our rookie rankings, we have overall rankings. And when you go to the all tab on our rookie rankings, you won't see a wide receiver in the top five. Is that weird? I mean, it it looks weird as I'm staring at it right now. But uh, as we've talked about on other shows, it's it's justified. It's weird, but not that weird when you realize CeeDee Lamb is not a complete box-stuffing wide receiver prospect. He's good. He's the best that we have in this class. And this class is incredibly deep. It is talent-rich and it is deep, but it is not top-heavy. We do not have... A bust-proof alpha at the top of this class because CeeDee Lamb is svelte. CeeDee Lamb has a low BMI. He's not a 220-pound monster like Julio Jones or like Demarius Thomas, for that matter. Demarius Thomas checked all the boxes coming out of Georgia Tech. We don't have a Andre Johnson, Demarius Thomas, Julio Jones level alpha in this class. And for that reason... The running backs that project to be all-purpose bell cows at the next level must be ranked ahead of even the best receiver, CeeDee Lamb. That's why you see Taylor and Dobbins and Swift and Akers and Edwards-Hilaire dominating the top five. If CeeDee Lamb were 20 pounds heavier, then we could talk. Then I could see him in the top five, but not now. It's not going to happen, and I'm not sorry. And I shouldn't be sorry, right? No, I don't think so. And again, CeeDee Lamb... 
there were questions about how how good his athletic measurables were actually going to be. And I think uh, the assumption is that they're going to be good, not great, not elite, but good. And this is a guy that's not going to show up at 200 pounds. If he lacks elite athleticism under 200 pounds, then he's not a five-star prospect. He's just not. He's a four-star prospect. And Jerry Judy's a four-star prospect. And T. Higgins is a four-star prospect. And Jalen Rager's a four-star prospect. But there are no five-star prospects. There just happens to be more four-star prospects than I've ever seen in a draft class. And what makes this class different than other draft classes, it's why we do this. Because every year, we are presented with a new challenge that stimulates our intellect. What do you do with this particular configuration of players? With this particular distribution of rookie talent and what i'm telling you is you stuff the top five with running backs that's what you do and mel kuyper agrees that this is one of if not the deepest wide receiver class we've seen it's not better than 2014 and 2014 is a step above this class because that 2014 class had bust-proof alphas that check all the boxes like a Mike Evans. Is there a Mike Evans in this class? Do you see a Mike Evans? Is there a single Mike Evans? Anyone you could argue is Mike Evans? No. 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 Not in this class. No. There's no Mike Evans is in this class, and that's why this class is inferior to the 2014 class, but it could be deeper than 2014, where you saw Paul Richardson go in the second round you saw Dante Moncrief and Martavis Bryant go in the third round now Mel Kuyper believes we could see 25 wide receivers drafted in day one day two and day three so 25 wide receivers in the first 100 picks that means one out of every three players drafted as a wide receiver do you think that's possible no Mel Kuyper's out of his fucking mind yeah Mel Kuyper's not right because we've seen the wide receivers down the rankings. Once you get past Gabriel Davis at wide receiver 15, it gets thin very quickly. You can't justify using second and third round draft capital on Joe Reed. It's not a good idea. That's not an effective use of early draft capital. I like James Prochet, and he will likely go in the third round, but I don't think he should. I like Antonio Gandy-Golden. In theory, in person, he wasn't impressive, but if I were an NFL team, no way I'm using a third-round pick on Gandy-Golden. He's a day-three pick. I like Van Jefferson. He's going to be a quality possession receiver in the NFL, mm. but he's a day-three pick. He shouldn't be drafted in the third round. Get out of here. There aren't enough wide receivers to fill this fictional bucket of 25 day-one to day-two prospects drafted on the Mel Kuyper fictitious draft board. But if he's trying to use hyperbole to make a point, the point is valid. This class is incredibly deep. And what that means for dynasty leaguers is you need to be very careful spending up for secondary options in passing games who could have their role usurped by a rookie in 2020 you agree yeah absolutely i mean that's always that's always the concern whether you're currently holding them or you're looking to acquire them 
it's obviously important to remain aware of of who could be, you know, like you said, usurped or lose target share, or lose opportunity. I think it's easier to consider the notion that an aging possession receiver like a Marvin Jones or Randall Cobb, that they would wake up six months from now and realize that the music has stopped and they don't have a role on their respective team. That happens to veteran receivers all the time. And that process will be sped up by this deep, talent-rich wide receiver class. But dynasty leaguers are often blindsided when it happens to the young, ascending wide receivers that they just assume will earn yet more targets as they follow this positively inclined curve of production. And yet it's very possible that a wide receiver peaks in their rookie year or their second year. You see this all the time. It's worth remembering how often wide receivers flash in their first couple years and aren't heard from again because they lost their job to a better, more improved version of themselves via the NFL draft. Can you think of some players that you would be reticent to acquire in Dynasty because the projected target share that we assume they will command in 2020 could be vaporized by the NFL draft? Mm. Mm. Um. I have a list of guys on the show sheet, Nate. This is where you could go to the show sheet, and I have a long list, a laundry list of players that you could pick from rather than giving us dead air. It's it's a catch-22 because if I say one of them, you'll go, I'm glad to see that you picked one off the list that I made. You've done no work as usual. Just I would take people through how this process happens. It's a choose-your-own-adventure. You can't win. You can't win. You can't win. If you use one of the players listed, then you're spoiling the show sheet. Right. Yeah, and I've been I've been chastised for doing that. So if you take a player off the show sheet, you're spoiling it. If you ponder the question, you're giving dead air. It's a great time on the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast. Yeah, it's a win-win for me. It's a lose-lose for you. Welcome to the premise of the show. It's a great show. It's a great show. So, you know, right off the top, you've got Anthony Miller. Oh, whoa, 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 but, but, but wait! No, the, the Bears have cut Taylor Gabriel. This means it's wheels up for Anthony Miller, right? The 25-year-old Anthony Miller, he's finally going to break out. Truth or status will be rewarded, right? 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 <laughs> I, I, don't, I, I don't think that that's true, obviously. Oh, no, no, Nate! Well, and can we talk about another fact here that even even if they add another player, and Anthony Miller's a good player. Very solid. He's a solid slot receiver. Right. Allen Robinson's clearly the guy. A quality possession receiver. Also replaceable. Is that Mitchell Trubisky isn't going anywhere yet. So that's kind of a problem no matter what. What about Derek Carr? Our friend Ryan Lopes thinks Derek Carr could be headed to Chicago. To the Chicago Bears. I mean, if Derek Carr goes to the Chicago Bears, obviously it's great. Derek Carr goes to the Chicago Bears, then the Chicago Bears have Derek Carr. (laughs) And then what are we talking about? That's a slight upgrade. A slight upgrade. It's It's an upgrade, though. We do agree. Corey Davis and Anthony Miller are in the same situation. They are vulnerable number two receivers who fantasy gamers have always quietly hoped for the best, but all the while expecting the worst. But there are second-year players that are vulnerable. What about James Washington? 
I am not as concerned that Pittsburgh goes and adds anybody of real draft capital consequence. I would be more concerned about Deontay Johnson, which I think most people are overall, because Pittsburgh has wide receiver depth. If they want to add speed, if they want to add a fast player on the outside, I can see that. That would cannibalize James Washington targets. They're not going to add another slot flanker. They already have Juju Smith-Schuster and Deontay Johnson. I think that this draft class is stockpiled with players that are bigger, faster, stronger on the outside than James Washington. I think that's the problem for James Washington. I think he's vulnerable. What about Auden Tate? Same thing. Yeah, well. The Bengals draft a Tyler Johnson. Red zone specialist possession receiver. I'd rather have Tyler Johnson. I don't own Auden Tate anywhere. It was a seventh-round pick. Auden Tate was a tepid breakout last year, but it could be the case that that was the best you'll ever get from Auden Tate. That was the best you'll ever get. No player is assured career growth. So Auden Tate had one 14-point game last year, had a couple of 10, 11, 12-point games last year. It was a tepid breakout. It was a seventh-round pick. You should have sold him... The minute he started playing well. A big young receiver with a tepid breakout. Auden Tate is the prototypical young sell-high candidate. Yes. The guy you trade before the draft. Yes. you got to trade these guys before the draft. Preston Williams broke out, but Preston Williams tore his ACL. And he went undrafted last season. Of course the Miami Dolphins will be drafting a wide receiver. Probably multiple wide receivers. The Dolphins have like 10 day one, day two picks. One of them, if not multiple, will be wide receivers. Yeah. That's a problem for Preston Williams. Yeah, they have five picks in the first two rounds of this draft class. The deepest wide receiver class. They're going to go wide receiver. And Devontae Parker is not going anywhere. Yeah. So that's a problem for Preston Williams. I agree. What about Curtis Samuel? What if... (sighs) The Panthers draft one of the many field stretchers in this class. This class has Devin Duvernay. This class has KJ Hamler. This class has Brandon Ayuk. This class has Henry Ruggs. Any one of those players would throttle Curtis Samuel's fantasy point scoring potential in the years ahead. That's a problem. I love Curtis Samuel, you love Curtis Samuel, but we need to get real that Curtis Samuel is a secondary option to DJ Moore. You gotta get real. You gotta get real. What if the Chargers draft Denzel Mims? Who's better, Mims or Williams? I think Mike Williams. Mike Williams has been playing with with Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry and a backfield that threw the ball 174 times to the running back. Mike Williams is a secondary receiver that appears to be on an upward trajectory that could crash at any moment. That is the warning that I am issuing to Dynasty Leaguers. It doesn't matter who it is. Tyler Lockett. You need to be worried about Tyler Lockett. What if the Seattle Seahawks go out and draft Jalen Rager? The Seattle Seahawks love small, fast, wide receivers. You could say they have a fetish for these small, fast, wide receivers. And you know Jalen Rager is going to be one of the most athletic wide receivers at the Combine. And you need to get real about Tyler Lockett. He's the secondary option. Moving forward, DK Metcalf is the alpha in that passing game. Period. There's no question. 
If you're starting a franchise today, do you go DK Metcalf or do you go Tyler Lockett? It's DK Metcalf every time. Knowing that, then that necessarily makes Tyler Lockett a secondary option long-term. And if he's a secondary option long-term, you need to be careful overvaluing that player in the offseason and be open to offers to unload that player before the trap door is opened beneath him. God, I'm so good at this. It's crazy. I'd sit there for a couple seconds and just marvel at myself. I don't even know how I do it. I just black out and talk, and what comes out is sports poetry, Nate. So good. Oh, Jesus Christ, dude. Nobody toots a horn like Matt Kelly toots. (laughs) It's just perfect. Skype garbled your audio right there. It was perfect. Just the timing was impeccable by Skype. Thank you, Skype. So we mentioned K.J. Hamler could replace Curtis Samuel in Carolina. Not that they're going to draft K.J. Hamler, but it's possible. And a take by Fusu Vu was brought to my attention. Fusu Vu had his account suspended by Twitter. Did you see this? Oh, man, why? He, he doesn't do anything wrong at all. I can't imagine. What did he do? Twi- what does Fusu Vu do? What got him banned? Do we know what got him blocked? He was going after Benjamin Albright and, like, uh, just, I guess, harassing him. And the assumption is that Albright reported it and Fusu got banned. Albright reported Fusu Vu for targeted harassment. I'm pretty sure that's the assumption. Just when you thought Benjamin Albright couldn't sink any lower. Yeah, I got some some DMs privately from some people that are pretty close to the whatever going on, and they supported what happened, that it was Albright. So here we are. What did Fusu Vu say? What did Fusu Vu tweet? Because he doesn't talk ever except once a year on this show. Even then, it still really doesn't talk at all. Even then, it's hard to understand. What did he tweet? I think he kept just quoting him and saying he was a fucking idiot and, like, uh, you know, telling him he was wrong about... But you know what Fusu does. Wait, wait, but Fusu was simply reiterating how wrong Benjamin Albright was? That gets you canceled? This is where we are in this cancel culture, that reiterating how wrong someone is and how bad someone is at analyzing football players, which is his supposed job, that gets you canceled? Yeah, I guess so. I don't know what to say. He got he got banned, and I know he's back. Oh, he's back? He is back. Oh, it was a timeout. Well, no, 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 no. He's got an entirely different account now. Oh, I know he set up a new account, but his other account is still suspended? It's in the ether. It's out of here, Matt. That account is that account is gone. They bounced Fusuvu out. Gone. And he came back with a new account. Absolutely incredible. Yep. I can't believe Albright conspired with other weak-minded individuals to cancel Fusuvu. Uh, we've got to applaud Fusuvu for his commitment to his craft though. He he goes hard. Absolutely applaud Fusuvu. Everybody wherever you are, this man holds cowardly individuals accountable for their bad analysis. This man tells the truth about film grinders with a ferocity that is admirable. And he stands up for his takes on players. This is a Twitter account we should all seek to emulate. Fusuvu, I applaud you. Put your hands together, Nate! Everyone, if you're in the car, if you're running, stop for a moment. Take a moment and applaud 
Fusu Vu. I give Fusu a golf clap. He's doing the difficult work that most of us won't do. He's the one in the submarine. He's doing the dirty work that we won't do in our ivory towers, surrounded by overpriced memorabilia. Nate? Got these on discount, Matt. And I might add that Benjamin Albright criticized Fusu Vu for Fusu Vu's Tyreek Hill analysis because Fusu Vu insisted that Tyreek Hill is not a traditional deep threat, that he's better with the ball in his hands than he is running go routes. And this was supposedly the worst take in the history of film Twitter. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I agree with this take. I agree with it. Have you seen Tyreek Hill's carries out of the backfield? Tyreek Hill is unstoppable. Every other time you hand the ball off or pitch it to Tyreek Hill, he scores a touchdown. He is an unstoppable running back. The most unstoppable running back in the NFL is not Christian McCaffrey. It's not Saquon Barkley. It's not Derrick Henry. It's Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill is absolutely at his best with the ball in his hands, which necessarily means he's not a traditional deep threat. So whatever Benjamin Albright thinks is the worst take in the history of film grinding and certainly on Fusu Vu's now-canceled timeline, I disagree with all of it. All of it. I disagree with all of it. In fact, I agree with Fusu Vu. He nailed his Tyree Kill analysis. Bravo. Fusu Vu. We applaud you. So when you're watching KJ Hamler, don't you have to wonder whether he can do most of what Tyreek Hill can do for an NFL team? That if you're an NFL team, sure, it's great to have Tyreek Hill. But when you see KJ Hamler, a wide receiver who could go out and run a sub 4 3 40, you see KJ Hamler with the ball in his hands. So other than being the best running back of the NFL, what does Tyreek Hill bring to the table that KJ Hamler doesn't? What's the big difference? The reality is that nobody knows that answer, but going back to Tyreek Hill coming out of college, nobody knew anything about him. Very little, you know, college production to lean on. I was wrong about Tyreek Hill. I thought Tyreek Hill was a regression candidate, and it turns out Tyreek Hill is the quintessential model-breaking wide receiver. So you can lather yourself up in hindsight bias and go find inaccurate positions on Tyreek Hill in my history in Fusu Vu's history in a lot of our histories and the reason is his history was so incongruent coming into the NFL he was a black box prospect right yeah you didn't nobody really knew enough about him you know he was a juco transfer limited college you know time had had the production that we looked for had the rushing had the kick return had the receiving so the elements were there, plus the athleticism was there, but he was slight in size, and he had off-field concerns. I mean, exclude the off-field. Let's just talk about the prospect himself. Not a lot of people were confident in pegging him as what he's become today, obviously. Nobody knew. So here comes a similar situation with a guy like Hamler. Nobody knew. I don't think it's a one-for-one one thing. I think Tyreek is, is very much an outlier based on his size, based on what he's done at the NFL level. He's gone to a great offense with a great quarterback and a, a creative mind in Andy Reid. I think that's all played a factor. But I think that Tyreek Hill is a, is a one-of-one guy that you, you will not see very many other players ever come into the league like this. But K.J. Hamler could be a riser 
post-combine. You look at the zone in our rankings where you have Justin Jefferson and Tyler Johnson and Brandon Ayuk and K.J. Hamler and soon Brian Edwards, sadly. Oh! Mm. If K.J. Hamler and Brandon Ayuk run sub 4 40s do we need to move them into the top 10? Mm. No, no. I don't think so because... When you talk about KJ Hamler, the size is always going to be the question. We know. We know that size is the issue here. He's tiny. He's tiny. 165 pounds? Yeah. The historical probability of a guy like this hitting at the NFL level outside of anything more than a you know a situational deep threat or a best ball type option player, I think that's where his sweet spot lands because in a class that we've already talked about being as deep as it is, as much as I might appreciate the fact that Hamler might run a, a 4-3-5, do you want to put him in front of a guy like, say, Michael Pittman, who maybe runs a, a mid-4-4, has feature size, you know, had a, a great season? Uh, if Michael Pittman runs a 4-4, yeah, we would definitely move Michael Pittman up. I don't know how fast Michael Pittman's going to be. I do like Michael Pittman, but when you watch Brandon Ayuk and you watch K.J. Hamler, you see difference-making speed. And when you look at these mocks, NFL teams are indicating Ayuk and Hamler could both go in the first round. And if Hamler goes in the first round, it's just Marquise Brown all over again. And we had Marquise Brown well inside the top 10 last season. So if you're going to have Marquise Brown well inside the top 10, the only thing that can push a KJ Hamler outside the top 10 is if the class is much deeper. And this class is much deeper. It's deeper because... A Justin Jefferson, a Tyler Johnson had more impressive age-adjusted production profiles than a K.J. Hamler, than a Brandon Ayuk in particular. But what if Justin Jefferson and Tyler Johnson both run 4-6-40s? What then? Do you move them outside the top 10? Or do you keep them posted up right there at the edge of the top 10? I think at that point I start to lean on draft capital. Um, Justin Jefferson is technically a, a very good receiver and Tyler Johnson, we know checks numerous advanced metric boxes. He checks all the boxes. He just happened to come out as a senior and will likely not be drafted in the first round. Other than that, there's nothing not to like about Tyler Johnson. You know, until we see him test, if, if Tyler Johnson tests as a subpar athlete, then, and he goes in the fifth, sixth round and let's say Brandon Ayuk, who doesn't have quite the quite the similar advanced metrics as Tyler Johnson uh, tests well, which we expect him to. Brandon Ayuk's production profile is underwhelming in comparison to Tyler Johnson's. And Ayuk is another one of these Juco transfers, you know, two years at Sierra Community College, you know, limited college production, obviously uh, play with Nikhil Harry. So that's going to help with the teammate score. Kyle Williams, he couldn't usurp in 2018. He's a little older than some of these other prospects. There's just some things working against him, but the positive size, size and speed had a 40.6 dominator his senior year. So there are some things working in his favor and he's very dynamic. So that's the kind of player that, you know, we, we don't want to exclude, but the depth of this class is going to push these guys back. That's what's happening. The Marquise Brown of this class is going out to the top 10 where Marquise Brown himself was the number six ranked wide receiver at this time last year on playerprofiler.com. Same goes for Brandon Ayuk versus Hakeem Butler. He's the Hakeem Butler of this class. The guy that posts the impressive senior year dominator with very little production otherwise on his profile. 
Well, last year, we had Hakeem Butler well inside the top 10 because the class was not nearly as deep as the 2020 class. Now, when you move deeper down the board, what about Isaiah Hodgins? What about Gabriel Davis? When you look at Hodgins, when you look at Davis, which of those two do you think will move up boards in the weeks and months ahead based on an impressive combine or early second round buzz? Isaiah Hodgins was the one that, you know, Oregon State guy. Uh, he's the one that I think could rise the most. Don't you live near Oregon State? Aren't you in the neighborhood? Don't you have local intel on Isaiah Hodgins you can share with us? I, I have intel. I'm hoping to get him on the podcast. We've been working on it. Oh! I don't live close to where he's at. Oh! I did not know that. Yeah, I don't live close to him. I've got friends that are friends with him. I've been working on this, but... Uh, no, I don't live local to him, by the way. I'd like to talk to him. He is the Kelvin Harmon of this class. It's perfect. Yeah, good. We can kill his draft stock. Um, So I, I think that he's the one that's set to rise kind of the most between these two players for me. I don't know if you feel sort of indifferent about that. I mean, they're very similar guys. Similar production profiles, both coming out as juniors. They could have stayed. You don't want to come out as a junior if you're not a top 10 guy. So they very easily could have gone back to school and improved their draft capital, and perhaps their overall earnings would have been better if they had gone back. But after Hamler, Pittman, Hodgins, and Davis are right there, rounding out the player profiler top 15. What about Quintez Cephas? Is it Cephas or Cephas or Cephas? I think it's Cephas. So Quintez Cephas. Are you familiar with this Quintez Cephas? Because he's also coming out after his junior year, but I think that he's coming out because he made a wink and a nod deal with the University of Wisconsin that said, okay, you can be rid of me after this season. Bring me back for one more season, and then I'll go to the NFL, and you don't need to worry about my history. Mm. Mm. I've dug in a little bit on him, not as much as some of these other guys, because this guy's kind of on the peripheral for me, um, and that seems to be the case with the way that you have him ranked on Player Profiler. This is another guy that that might test out well, but you know the production the production was okay. I'm not a big fan of him. Again, this class is so deep. These are the guys that don't really fall into the realm of players that I'm going to be targeting. We're talking about the players down the board today, Nate. We've been talking about CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy on an endless loop. We have other wide receivers to talk about because 25 of them are going to be drafted in the first three rounds. I don't think this is one of them. I don't think he has the juice. If he operated more in the deeper quadrants of the football field, then I would be more excited. Like another Q wide receiver prospect, Quez Watkins. We have Quez Watkins rated higher because he has it all. What am I missing with Quez Watkins, man? Uh, I don't know. You know, we we talked about him over DM a few days ago um, as I was punching more stuff into the Breakout Finder database. I, there's a lot of questions. I mean, this is another one of these players that's on the outside uh, kind of looking in. And I don't really have a good vibe on on him just from what I've been able to find online watching things because... You've been watching highlights? You've seen him play? Well, trying not to watch highlights, if that's possible. But, uh, you know, yeah, I, I think that this is another guy. Southern Miss, I mean, what do you do with these guys? You know you know me. You know that these aren't the players that I'm drawn to. This is Conference USA. This is the same conference as West Virginia, right? Uh, No. Uh, Who else is in this conference? 
This is uh, Florida Atlantic, you know, Western Kentucky, Old Dominion. Oh, mm. okay. Never mind. Yeah. Never mind. Okay. That's why his level of competition score on the breakout finder is so low. That's why his level of competition is a total stink bomb and it's negative. It's bad. Okay. Okay. All right. Moving on. You prefer Lynn Bowden Jr. Oof. Yeah. To Quez Watkins, right? You like Lynn Bowden Jr.? Yeah. Lynn Bowden, Matt. Yes. Okay, so it's Bowden, not Bowden. Yeah. Like Bobby Bowden. Yeah, maybe that's a regional thing, you know? Maybe that's a regional thing. Say say it how you want to say it. Is it Cephas or Cyphus? I thought it was Cephas. Okay, it's Cephas. I know. It's Cephas and Bowden. Now I know. I didn't know. I talked about these wide receivers on the backstage pass, patreon.com forward slash podfather, to get access to my behind-the-scenes takes planning out this show. I talked about Quintez... Cephas and Lynn Bowden. But I don't know as much about Bowden as you do. You seem to know everything about this guy. You've renamed your Twitter handle after this guy. You're all in on Lynn Bowden. What the hell? Lynn Bowden's the crown prince of the breakout finder, Matt. You know that. Because he has the best dynamic score in the class. Yeah, it might it might be in history at this point. We love wide receivers who can run the ball. If you're used out of the backfield significantly, we're going to love you. It's one of the reasons why we liked Curtis Samuel so much. And Curtis Samuel is just on the cusp of breaking out. He had the most unrealized air yards of any wide receiver in the NFL last season. So you could argue we were right. He was just unlucky. I think that Bowden could be Julian Edelman 2.0. We've been tantalized by these quarterback wide receiver converts. Terrell Pryor, most recently Braxton Miller, did not fire. But before that... Julian Edelman did fire, and I think that Bowden is more similar to Edelman than he is Pryor or Braxton Miller. He's more athletic than Braxton Miller, and he has the body type of a bigger, faster, stronger Julian Edelman. Mm. But he played quarterback in a read option offense at Kentucky. When he did play wide receiver, what did you see? Uh, he he doesn't look he doesn't look like a player that that was struggling to make the transition. I mean, remember Julian Edelman coming out of college had zero receptions. He never caught a ball. And I tried to, I tried to validate this statistic, but he did have punt returns. Uh, yeah, he did. I was going to say, I think he returned more punts than balls caught, which is, which is insane. The, the Julian Edelman breakout is one of the most unexplainable things that has ever happened in NFL history to have gone from being a quarterback to turning into one of the most clutch wide receivers. Not according to the breakout finder. According to the breakout finder, Julian Edelman had a real chance to be a productive NFL wide receiver. The artificial intelligence that we have built at breakout finder is important because it looks beyond the conventional wisdom and the standard assumptions that we all make because it's difficult to imagine player that played quarterback at Kent State becoming a wide receiver one in fantasy football. So thank you to the breakout finder for surfacing information that we would not be able to deliver on our own. Bowden doesn't have the the amount or volume of pass attempts of a guy of Julian Edelman's, you know, uh, history, but he had a ton of kick return production 
you know, this past year, he rushed the ball 185 times. The year prior, he caught 67 passes for 745 yards. I mean, he is the definition of dynamic. And how the NFL will value a player like this, that's, that's the true question. I'll tell you right now, he's going in the third round. He's going in the third round. Well, he's going to test out very well, so that that wouldn't shock me. If we have him in the top 20, we should move him up. Uh, I think you should. I mean, the guy could end up at the next level doing really special things. I mean, a, a very, you know, an extremely dynamic version of, say, like a Randall Cobb can do even more than that coming out of college ranks. And to be a, of the elite level of athleticism that the expectation is. So move him ahead of some of these seniors like a Prochet and a K.J. Hill. I mean, I think so. You're talking about guys that have next to, you know, no dynamic production. Prochet, not necessarily the one we're talking about. Yeah, because K.J. Hill and James Prochet project to be possession receivers in the NFL. We got to move Bowden at least ahead of those guys. Yeah, I mean, and this is another guy coming out of SMU. You know, I I struggle with these smaller school guys, you know, uh, that that has always been my stance on the show. We have James Prochet at 19. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that where we differ is you sometimes try to find a silver lining in these prospects that I would otherwise just dismiss and throw to the side. We have no small school wide receivers in our top 16, unless you count Gabriel Davis. Do you count UCF as a small school? They almost won the national championship two years in a row. I mean, come on. Yeah, a little bit. Okay, so Gabriel Davis at 15 is the one small school representative. On our wide receiver rankings. Get the hell out of here. That's justified. I don't have any problem with that at all. You know, accusing me of giving preference to small school players. Come on. Come on, Matt Kelly. It's not true. It's not true. It's a lie. It's a lie perpetrated by Nate Liss. Come on. You also love Jeff Thomas from Miami. Oh, baby. Because Jeff Thomas was a top high school recruit right there with CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy three years ago. Mm-hmm. You think that Jeff Thomas should be a top 20 wide receiver? Here's the deal with Jeff Thomas. If Jeff Thomas didn't have the off-field concerns that he has, he would absolutely be there. And I'm looking at the player profile of ranks, and I'm sorted by rookies, and I'm sorted by wide receivers, and I'm sliding, and I'm sliding down, and I'm sliding down, and I'm sliding down, and I think he must be below the download table tab. We need to add Jeff Thomas because the idea that Jeff Thomas would be relevant didn't occur to me. I didn't know he was a top high school recruit and that the reason why he wasn't productive was that he was kicked out of school and then brought back. I didn't know that. So now we have some rationale for why Jeff Thomas could be a thing in the NFL at 5'10", 180. Mm. I'm sorry. We had Joe Reed ranked ahead of Jeff Thomas because Joe Reed is... 6-1-2-15. That's the reason why we had Joe Reed ranked ahead of Jeff Thomas. That's why. It was the size. Because they were both dynamic special teams talents, and the size was the tiebreaker. But if you insist that Jeff Thomas is a more highly skilled wide receiver, then Joe Reed will move him up. I mean, Jeff Thomas is a special talent. And He's a special talent? He, he is. He's a spe- The guy is very good, so... Again, this is a four-star recruit, was considered the fifth-best wide receiver in the country coming out, of, coming out of high school. Problem was, character concerns date all the way back to high school. Uh-oh. Mark Richt dismissed him from Miami in 2018. Uh-oh. He came back in 2019 with Manny Diaz. 
All right, so new coaching staff, new standards for behavior. They bring back a stud, right? And so, and then, but Miami goes on to have one of the worst passing down sack rates in the country. They rank outside the top 117 in all the categories that Football Outsiders uses for passing downs. They were terrible. It was awful. And then they have freshman quarterback play. It was not a good situation that he came back into. But recently I started tweeting some some clips of him, just some big-time plays. Some clips. It's evident that the guy can make plays, that he's good. He's done it against big-time competition. A lot of them that I tweeted out were against LSU, against some of the top defenders in the country. Greedy Williams. He gets open, Matt. And he's fast. And I expect him to run a sub 4-4. These are the types of guys that I realize the character concerns are, are going to be what holds him back. The NFL is is hypersensitive to this. Nobody wants to get burned on draft picks. Tyreek Hill has character concerns. He does. He does. If you're not concerned about Tyreek Hill's character, then you don't have a moral code. And here's the other thing. Now, not to get into what Tyreek Hill's character concerns are and, and what's in his past, but Jeff Thomas's character concerns have never really been substantiated. There was talk that he had arguments and issues with other teammates, that he was disrespecting coaches. And Mark Richt is a pretty devout religious head coach. If you go back and look into sort of his, his history. What did he say? God damn it or something? Did he say Jesus fucking Christ? That's what triggered Mark Richt? Yeah, and, and maybe it was. And he talked about how they had their standards of excellence. And No, I didn't say Jesus fucking Christ. I said, did he say Jesus fucking Christ? I'm not the type of person that says Jesus fucking Christ. I respect the religious members of our audience 100%. I was merely speculating on what he might have said that triggered Mark Richt. Did he say Jesus fucking Christ? Because if I'm Mark Richt and my player says Jesus fucking Christ, I'm mad. I might snap and kick him off the team right at that moment. And then no one's going to say Jesus fucking Christ after that. So what you're saying is, is because someone else said Jesus fucking Christ. That's why you're saying Jesus fucking Christ. I wasn't upset and cursed out in a fit of rage. Jesus fucking Christ. I didn't do that. I would never do that. That's not me. I don't swear on this show. And I certainly don't take the Lord's name in vain. Just, <laughs> it just did. sign of the cross. Just did a cross. Okay, I just wanted to get to the bottom of the Jesus fucking Christ. I would never say that. I know you don't say Jesus fucking Christ. I respect wood. I respect carpentry. Here we go. And from all accounts, he was a quality carpenter in the desert. You realize how hard it is to be a carpenter in the desert? It's not easy, man. It's not easy. And, and the ball sweat that you have to deal with while you're building the furniture it's very difficult it's hard work i respect that i respect the craftsmen of this world dead and alive i mean you know matt they didn't have to pull permits back then i don't know that any of that is still standing the true sign of a craftsman it's literally standing <laughs> jerusalem is one of the most historic places in the world <laughs> wait a minute because a lot of these structures from 2000 years ago are still standing so wait a minute so jesus christ was like a job site foreman he was involved in all the the structures in jerusalem well in fairness it's not like the wood has been petrified really it was the masons there you go there you go of the time that built the structures that endured it was not the carpenters so I don't think he said Jesus fucking Christ. And I don't think that's why he was kicked off the team, but he was removed from the team. And this is a guy with a lot of upside. So in a class where, or or 
in the NFL where they covet speed, a player like Jeff Thomas, if he suddenly runs a, a 4-3-6, 4-3-5, he's very fast. 4-3-5? Jesus fucking Christ, that's fast. Did, oh, wait a minute. Now, who said that? Is that a quote? Oh, shit. I just did it. I just did the thing. I'm Jeff Thomas now. Is the... <laughs> Is Mark Rick going to kick me off this podcast? Yeah, probably. I don't know that he listens to this podcast. And if he does, I'm sure he turned it off about five minutes ago when we were going through that bit. But if he runs that fast, Matt, I think that's the point where the NFL struggles with this moral rationale where it's like, if this player does have off-field issues, if anything ever comes to the surface, and nothing has, this is what I was trying to make this point earlier, Tyree Kill's off-field issues are... Sexual assault, domestic violence, these are the issues that we need to be most concerned with. Yes, I mean, his, his history is violent. That's not what I've ever heard about Jeff Thomas. Jeff Thomas is just rude. Yeah, I think all the way back to high school. He he won, you know, he got he was getting kicked off the team at high school. He's truculent. Yeah, but his teammates rallied for him, got him back on the team, then here he is in college. So Tyreek Hill was drafted late fifth round. You think Jeff Thomas goes late fifth round? I think he goes before that. I'm 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 on board saying yes. Whoa. Is he one of those guys that Mel Kuyper thinks is gonna be drafted in day two? He's one of the twenty five? <sighs> If he runs in the four threes, Matt, it would be hard to believe he doesn't go round three. I, I think that that's where we start to push him up to because with that speed, with that dynamism, with the tape, because if you go back and watch it, man, he made plays, contested situations. Mm. He's a burner. I like him. I know you like him. He also produced as a freshman. A key component of the breakout finder is freshman year production, and he's in the top 10 among the wide receivers in this class most productive freshman seasons. And I know this because I understand the mechanics behind the breakout finder. But here we go. I often feel like I am alone in this because I imagined at this point in the evolution of the breakout finder, given that we have a breakout finder podcast hosted by Nate Liss and co-hosted by Ryan Lopes. I imagined that by now that our audience especially those that frequently listen to the Breakout Finder podcast, would be well aware of the importance of freshman year production, would understand why the dynamic score is such a critical component of a wide receiver's prospect profile that would be able to recite the definition of teammate score. And yet, and yet, time and time and time again, when I ask Members of our shared audience, those that listen to the Breakout Finder podcast, those that listen to the Sonic Truth podcast, when I ask them questions about the Breakout Finder, so often what I receive back are blank stares. Can you explain this? No, I can't explain it. I don't know what to tell you. I have some questions for you about this Breakout Finder podcast that you and Ryan Lopes have been doodling on yes go on so question when was the last time you talked about the level of competition score and why it matters on the breakout finder podcast Do you remember the last episode where you talked about that i mean probably the last episode that's not true how who where are you getting your information that would be my question it wasn't the last episode it wasn't the episode before that i haven't heard it when was the last time ryan mentioned the teammate score when analyzing a player the answer to that question is probably never. 
Why is that, Nate? Why is that? Why does your co-host not seem to understand why the breakout finder matters? Why it's valuable? Do you? Do you know why the breakout finder is valuable? Do I know why? Wait a minute. Do you understand the value of the breakout finder? Where is your information coming from if you don't listen to the podcast? I have little birds that listen to all these shows. Not just our shows. They listen to all the shows, Nate. I know what is being said about me on every single show that drops on the internet. I know when the Dynasty nerds casually mention how and why the Podfather was kicked out of that Ultimate Dynasty Podcasters League. <coughs> Cowards! <coughs> Even a fleeting reference of the name Matt Kelly or the Podfather gets back to me. Nate, you need to always assume that I know everything. And what I know is that the Breakout Finder podcast seems to be talking about everything except the Breakout Finder. And that feels like a problem. So we've got these people out here that listen to the absolutely free Breakout Finder podcast. You're, you're rationalizing by saying, oh, it's free, so it doesn't matter that it's good or not? Though I also was going to say that it doesn't need to be good, it's free! The biggest analysts in the world come on this free Breakout Finder podcast, which is what we're talking about right now. And the question is, do we cite these metrics? I do cite these metrics. Why doesn't Ryan cite these metrics? When was the last time you cited level of competition? I mean, I, I don't know off the top of my head. I don't I don't know. I don't know. Had the calendar flipped over to 2020? I'm, I'm assuming so. You're assuming so. Oh, I'm assuming so. I'm assuming so. Does your audience know how dynamic score is calculated and why it matters? Yes, they should know that. That has come up on the show. How many times has that been brought up? Because the singular reason why the Breakout Finder podcast exists, there's one reason and one reason only, to illuminate the value of the Breakout Finder, to explain the concept to the audience so they appreciate the tool and can conceptualize and appreciate its value. So that... When the Breakout Finder app launches, the Breakout Finder podcast audience instantly appreciates the value of the app and knows why they need to go out and purchase it. Because I don't think that's happening. I don't think the Breakout Finder audience innately understands the value of the Breakout Finder itself. And that signals to me a catastrophic failure by the host of the show, Nate Liss. I don't know what to tell you. I can't go into the minds of all these people, these birds that you're speaking of. But I will tell you that I, I'm sure there could be more education on it. It's the reason the podcast exists! Of course there needs to be education! If you're admitting that there probably could be more education, and maybe less Ryan and I riffing. Yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, I would agree with that. Whoa. I would agree with that. Yes. Whoa, whoa, riffing. It's not a fucking jam session. The podcast does not exist so that you and Ryan can leverage my reputation in this industry to get close to big personalities 
like Evan Silva and J.J. Zacharyson. I know it's fun to hang out with these guys that are some of the biggest names in the industry, and I appreciate that you have a good time on these shows, but the shows are more than just a vehicle for you and Ryan to chit-chat and have a good time. To be fair, Matt Kelly, first off, I think a lot of that statement is false. Second, I'd also like to say that based on the growing audience, is anybody turning the podcast off? It's weird because week over week, all I see is it grow. So nobody's turning it off. People consume free content. They love free content. The show's great. The show's great. <laughs> can, can I just summarize? Just summarize your defense. Uh, it's free. It's free. It's free. You should leave me alone because it's free. Well, first off, it's fucking free. That's all I'm hearing. Leave me alone. It's free. No, I would love to answer these questions. Oh, but, 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 keep the gravy train rolling. Keep the research and development and design of the Breakout Finder app going at the rapid pace that you've been going at, Podfather. And don't turn off the spigot, exciting, big-named guests for our podcast. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Listen, first off... First off, really, because I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. I'm looking into your mind. I'm looking through this camera across the internet to Portland, Oregon, into your head. And I know what you're thinking. None of this matters. What Ryan and I are doing doesn't matter because guess what? Matt's going to figure it out. Matt's going to figure out a way to tell the tens of thousands of people that listen to him every week why they need to go out and get the breakout finder. We really don't need to do anything. We don't need to do our job. We don't need to fulfill the mission that we've set out to do that Matt has emphasized is the reason why this podcast exists. We don't really have to complete this task, fulfill this mission. No, Matt will figure it out. I'm sure he'll make sure people know why they need to buy it. We can just flip the mics on and have a good time. You think that anybody in their right mind wants to do three podcasts a week? I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, really, think about the amount of hours that go into a podcast. You obviously know this. Writing a show sheet, getting in touch with the people, building a fucking overlay. Oh, that's right. Yes, I'm so glad you brought that up. Because when I envision you preparing for a show, and when I envision the amount of time and effort that you invest in the show one thing becomes clear you spend a lot of time on these graphics you certainly spend an inordinate amount of time on graphics your graphics are some of the best in the industry very few people can compete with your graphics now nobody knows what the fuck the breakout finder is and what it does and why it's valuable but jesus fucking christ the show has great graphics
but Jesus fucking Christ, the show has great graphics. You're not supposed to say that. So listen. I want I wanted to go out on that. No, you can defend it now. You can defend it now. Okay, thank you. I'd love to defend it. First off, I, I will agree. I will agree. Ryan needs to be more educated on it, and that's my fault. I'm just saying. It's 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 obvious. I'm so glad. I'm just saying. That you conceding didn't even make it into the show. Yes, you finally conceded, but in the outtakes. That's just perfect. That is so perfect. That is classic. Walk around the corner. Okay, so... And to answer your question, because now we're talking about it, obviously I understand the basis of the breakout finder. I fucking built the thing in the beginning. You know, I came in and I named it and built it. I started to wonder if you even know what it is anymore. I've already talked about that the original purpose was to add context to a college player's career. That's right. That's exactly what it's for. It's very important. We finally have real, meaningful context that we can wrap around every wide receiver prospect for the first time. This is the critical context that everybody needs when evaluating rookie wide receivers. That is what the Breakout Finder delivers. That's what it was in the very beginning. Since then, it's evolved into something more predictive. That's the difference. It's both. It's both. It can be both. It should be both. It is both. It is both. Do you ever talk about this on the show? On the Breakout Finder podcast? Talk about the Breakout Finder database? This is something you need to talk to Ryan about on air. The fundamental mission and utility of the app. You and Ryan need to talk about it. In fact, yes, you need to sit down with Ryan and talk about it. Why don't you do it on air? Maybe I will. Anytime is fine. Do it on air, do it off air, I don't care. But it's a problem if the co-host of the Breakout Finder podcast wouldn't know the Breakout Finder if it slapped him in the face. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to have time to teach him the Breakout Finder. I got graphics to make. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay, I will do I will do better for you, oh Matt my, Kelly. Oh my god, god, we could have gone out on that, but I, I don't want to. I, I really want to go to Jesus fucking Christ. I want to go to the callback. I know, it's good. And then you coming in with your how we're getting guests. I know that I made that up. You get the guests on your own. Yeah, I know. I know you made that up because it's not the case. All the guests that we book on the Breakout Finder are one hundred percent relationships cultivated by Nate Liss and appearances booked by Nate Liss. I do nothing to help the Breakout Finder podcast. Nothing. 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 I do nothing. Uh. That was a complete fabrication. But you didn't mention, you didn't call me out on that. You just let that go. I wanted to. You let that go. The reason why you're such a good co-host is because you knew I was rolling and you just let that go. Thank you. Thank you. That's one of the reasons. If anyone in the world wants to understand why you're a great co-host, one of the best in the world, it's that. It's that you let that go. Thank you. I wanted to, but it's not worth it. Works better in the show. Yes, you're here for whatever is in the best interest of the show and what makes for the best radio. That's what separates you from 98% of the fantasy football podcasters out there who don't really understand the big picture of what the fuck they should be doing. <laughs> well, thank you. Listen, I warned you this was going to happen in advance. I came back over the top at the end to give you the most gracious compliment I've ever delivered to another podcaster. 
I'm making it right because man, I really, I, I really went at you hard. Yeah, you did. People are gonna fucking love the part where God. I mean, the 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 whole you're riding on my name cachet. I know you just wanna. I don't, what was the word you used for our podcast? Riffing. <laughs> We're riffing. God damn. We're riffing a podcast. We're just having fun. You know, just hanging out at the beach with these big names. Top down on the Corvette. Daddy's Corvette. Top down on the Podfather's Corvette. That's right. Right? Just two rich kids. (laughs) Daddy's going to figure out a way to get them on the crew team so they can go to USC. Oh, God. Don't worry. Daddy will figure it out. That's hilarious. No. But anyways, in all seriousness, even though this is in the outtakes, I I do agree that uh, more needs to be allocated to the show because it does have a decent audience and obviously it's a focused audience. And the little birds aren't wrong. The little birds aren't wrong. I exaggerate the little birds and I often um, overreact what the little birds say, but they're not usually wrong. It's fair. It's fair criticism about the free show that they listen to every week. There it is. It doesn't matter because it's free. <laughs> it's you're right. It's a good opportunity to to push it harder than I've been pushing it. So all these action items around Anthony Miller and KJ Hamler, it was all just an elaborate ruse to to eviscerate you on air. Are you ready to get obliterated today? Every time I brought up a, a breakout finder metric or something, I felt like I was just loading the fire. Like you're like good. Keep it in the background, keep saying things. Because we're going to get to this. <laughs> and eventually you could segue on it, so that's good. You felt me segueing. I felt like I was turning a battleship. That was my most sort of elaborate segue, maybe ever. I slowly started turning the topic from late round wide receivers to what the fuck is this breakout finder anyway? No, it was good. It was well done. Hey, that's a cool hat. How does a man get a hat like that? <laughs> Yours hasn't arrived yet? I, I don't know. Is it on the back of a of a wagon? Yeah, it's on the back of a mule. No, so then no, it hasn't yet. It's probably by now somewhere in Michigan. It's on the way, baby. All right. Sorry I got delayed, man. I was on Wikipedia. Wikipedia? Yeah. I was finishing up lunch, and my daughter and I were talking about galaxies and galaxy formation and star formation and the eventual merger of the Milky Way galaxy and the Andromeda galaxy and what would result after a galactic merger. So my eight-year-old and I were discussing this and I, I came across an interesting fact that necessitated additional research, which was that an ultra massive black hole suppresses star formation in a galaxy. And I didn't understand why that would be. I didn't understand it. Because an ultra-massive black hole releases hot particles, hot dust and gas, out of its poles. There's a jet on either side. So I thought, wow, that, those are the building blocks of solar systems. How would that not help to create, help to stimulate star formation in the vicinity of a super ultra-massive black hole? But as it turns out, The heating of dust and gas prevents star systems from forming because in order for gravity to have its effect on the dust and gas and bring it together and condense it to a place where it can then explode into a star, it needs to be cold. 
And that was the part I was missing. I always thought, listen, if you're going to shoot hot dust and gas out there, you're going to... It's like a match in a nebula. And I thought, that, and then it turns out that's not true at all. That the reason why you have a spiral galaxy in the first place is because the jets of hot material coming out of the poles prevent the star formation outside the disk. So that took 10 minutes for me to fully digest. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we were watching the show on the universe this morning, and uh, it showed the scale of the Earth next to the sun, and then the sun next to, like, a bigger sun, and then the sun next to a bigger star, and then the biggest star in the known universe. And my daughter and I had to pick our brains up off the floor. Like I looked over, her mouth was agape. She just couldn't believe it. Processing reality at scale can be mind-blowing. Just seeing how big things are relative to other things. Like when you go to the Natural History Museum and you see the actual size of one of these brachiosauruses. It's amazing. So, I don't know if you've looked at the show sheet at all. Uh, yeah. I, I popped in on it this morning. Man, your audio is really bad. I can't quite explain it. Should be fine. Let's do the experiment where you run Audacity locally. You want me to record it locally? I'm merging the audio in post. Why don't we do that? I think it'll sound better. Well, it's not going to sound like it's on a stream because it won't be. Exactly. It won't sound like I have great audio and you have terrible audio. Like it has for five years? <laughs> This, this novel approach to better podcasting comes literally a thousand plus days later. Yeah, this mic sounds so goddamn good. Too bad I've been wasting it over a stream all this time. Um, all right, should be good. Um, I sent him that sheet that shows the, you know, the, the 2020 class. It's all raw numbers, basically. You know, nothing's been run through a script. Uh, there's no percentiles. So he wanted that. So you're still running a recording in the background, worst case scenario? Yeah, which is I always am. No, I know, Matt. The, the mic is always on. You heard about Brian Edwards? No. Uh, I think he broke his foot. Shut up. I swear to God. No, he didn't. I'm dead serious. He won't be testing at the combine. What? Yeah, he broke his foot. No, he didn't. I'm dead serious, brah. We're always trying to give people tomorrow's newspaper today while I'm giving you yesterday's newspaper right now. Oh my god. I'm sorry. That's terrible. It's not good. That's gonna hurt him. <laughs> yep, that's not good. Well, how'd he break it? Uh, probably, I'm, I'm assuming, probably working out for the combine or just... I didn't read into the specifics of how he broke it, I just know that he broke it. Well, I guess let's just start a show and we'll, we'll do it. Freestyle through this thing? I have no problem doing that. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sonic Truth Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Liss. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jew, And with me, as always, uh, Mr. Matt Kelly. You can find him on Twitter at Fantasy underscore Mansion. I mean, it was, like, so fast. It's a great time on the Sonic Truth Dynasty Podcast. Whoa, 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 whoa wait. No, the, the Bears are moving on from Gabriel. From uh, uh, Gabriel, what's his name? Taylor Gabriel. Gabriel. Gabriel Taylor, oh, Taylor Gabriel. So if you take a player off the show sheet, you're spoiling it. If you ponder the question, you're giving dead air. Yeah, it's a win-win for me. It's a lose-lose for you. Welcome to the premise of the show. It's a great time on the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast. 
be open to offers to unload that player before the trap door is opened beneath him. God, I'm so good at this. It's crazy. I'd sit there for a couple seconds and just marvel at myself. You know those, uh, when you go to the barber, they give you those little, those mirrors you hold? A mirror? Yeah, it's called a mirror. Yeah. I wish I had like one of those handheld barber mirrors. I could just hold it up to my face and just look at it after a take like that. It's so good. I don't know how I'm this good. I don't even know how I do it. People ask me, how are you so good at this? And I don't even know. I just black out and talk and what comes out is is fucking sports poetry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. And the NFLPA stands for NFL Pathetic. He gets open, Matt. Audio doodling. That's what seems to be going on with this Breakout Finder podcast. Look, if he runs that fast, how does he not go at least day three? If he runs in the four threes... Well, he's going to go day three. There's no day after day three. There's no day four. Excuse me. I, I, Yeah, that's a fuck up. Hold on. Why is that, Nate? Why is that? Why does your co-host not seem to understand why the breakout finder matters? Did Oh, wait a minute. Now, who said that? Is that a quote? If you're not concerned about Tyreek Hill's character, then you don't have a moral code. Jesus fucking Christ. I might snap and kick him off the team right at that moment. And then no one's going to say Jesus fucking Christ after that. Four, three, five. Jesus fucking Christ. That's fast. Did Oh, wait a minute. Now, who said that? Is that a quote? Oh, shit. I just did it. I just did the thing. I'm Jeff Thomas now. Is Mark Rick going to kick me off this podcast? Yeah, probably. I don't know that he listens to this podcast. And if he does, I'm sure he turned it off about five minutes ago. I respect Wood. I respect the craftsmen of this world, dead and alive. I mean, you know, Matt, they didn't have to pull permits back then. I don't know that any of that is still standing. Jerusalem is one of the most historic places in the world because a lot of these structures from 2,000 years ago are still standing. It's a great time on the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast. Everybody wins! They almost won the national championship two years in a row. I mean, come on. Oh, Jesus Christ, dude. Nobody toots a horn like Mac Kelly toots. Skype garbled your audio right there. It was perfect. Nobody toots a horn like Mac Kelly toots. Just the timing was impeccable by Skype. Thank you, Skype. Do you know how many games we're going to have next season? 16. 17. <laughs> What does Fusu Boo do? He is the Kelvin Harmon of this class. It's perfect. Yeah, good. We can kill his draft stock. Um, Jalen Rager, Kalaja Lipscomb, and Tyler Johnson. We have other wide receivers to talk about because 25 of them are going to be drafted in the first three rounds. I don't think this is one of them. Reiterating how wrong someone is and how bad someone is at analyzing football players, which is his supposed job, that gets you canceled? It's in the ether. It's out of here, Matt. That account is that account is gone. They bounced Fusuvu out, but we have breaking news about Brian Edwards. <laughs> Literally. I actually prefer you at night when you're a little bit slower. You could say they have a fetish. He uh he is not gonna be testing at the combine. Damn it! Fuck! No!
layers to this show. They're just layers. <laughs> <laughs> there is an alternative gladiator spectacle that we could all migrate to if you don't meet our demands. Slave owners. <laughs> uh. This is Conference USA. This is the same conference as West Virginia and Louisville, Rutgers, right? Uh, no. He's the one in the submarine. He's doing the dirty work that we won't do in our ivory towers, surrounded by overpriced memorabilia. Nate? Got these on discount, Matt. He did all of that on a broken foot. It's worth repeating, Julio Jones did that on a broken foot. No, no Kuiper's out of his fucking mind. Three seniors that found different paths to not playing at the Senior Bowl. I struggle with these smaller school guys. And Jalen Rager's a four-star prospect. But there are no five-star prospects. There just happens to be more four-star prospects than I've ever seen in a draft class. That's why his level of competition is a total stink bomb, and it's negative. Like Bobby Bowden. The layers to this show. They're just layers. <laughs> the Breakout Finder podcast seems to be talking about everything except the Breakout Finder. And that feels like a problem. That signals to me a catastrophic failure by the host of the show, Nate Liss. I'm sure there could be more education on it. It's the reason the podcast exists! Whoa, riffing? It's not a fucking jam session. The shows are more than just a vehicle for you and Ryan to chit-chat and have a good time. You should leave me alone because it's free. First off, it's fucking free. None of this matters. What Ryan and I are doing doesn't matter because guess what? Matt's gonna figure it out. You think that anybody in their right mind wants to do three podcasts a week nobody knows what the fuck the breakout finder is and what it does and why it's valuable but fuck the show has great graphics the show does have great graphics <laughs>